Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at Heritage Radio Network. Good afternoon, Internet Radio. This is a recommended reading with Food Book Fair. I'm Amanda Dell, one of the co-directors of Food Book Fair, an annual food media festival celebrating writing about eating, amongst other things. And I am the co-host of Recommended Reading, our weekly show on Heritage Radio Network, where we invite some of our friends and fam and collaborators in the world of food media to talk about what they're up to and what they're reading, watching, or listening to. So again, this is Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair. Today's guest we could not be more excited about because, well, for many reasons, but it's super exciting that Athena Calderon is here with us today. She Thank is the you. welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. She is the creator of Ice Wound, which is a culinary and lifestyle blog and website. And she's also the brand new author of Cook Beautiful. So congratulations. Thank you so much. The book comes out today. So I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Really our pleasure. Um, I <laughs> Remind me to tell you a funny story that I just thought of uh, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the show. We'll save it for that. Okay. Um, some of our listeners might be noticing, if you're an avid listener of Recommended, you might be noticing a void in the airwaves, it's because. <laughs> Sorry, am I giving it away by you, Yeah, you just did. Okay, okay so... I'll back. I'll back up. <laughs> well, pretend I'm not. Without here. without further ado, our co-director Kimberly Chow is actually going to give us a LA dispatch as she's calling into recommended reading from LA. So, uh, West Coast to East Coast, Kim, how's it going? <laughs> what's up? What's up? Um, hey, uh, I'm out here celebrating the union of two beautiful friends of mine, Chandra and Lene, out in Joshua Tree and in the mountains of L.A. We had a beautiful love ceremony for them this weekend, but also using it as a reason to eat and read and research. Uh, we're hopefully cooking up some food book fair good stuff later, earlier, early in 2018, later in 2018. We'll talk about it more when we can um, out here on the West Coast. So everything is R&D in our, <laughs> in our um, world, and that includes, I went yesterday to this amazing bookstore called Now Serving. It's brand new. It just opened in Far East Plaza in Chinatown. Uh, it's run by these dope folks called Ken and Michelle, and it's all cookbooks. We Ooh, love, the, we love I, the sound of an all cookbook <laughs> store. I can't wait to go sell, to this store. They also sell... Um, they have some copper pans and pots that they found that they re, uh, refurbished and vintage spoons. And they have apparel. You'll see me follow, uh, if you don't follow us already, on Instagram or Twitter as at Food Book Fair. On IG Stories, I'll be uh, posting some of the favorite finds there, including foodie <laughs> articles and zines that we've never even seen before. What? Uh, Does that yeah, even I exist? Know, I know. I know. 
Oh, oh my gosh. Kenji with like bad reception. I'm like, <laughs> I have to show Amanda immediately. <laughs> but um, also, this is like for all the, the restaurant nerds and industry folks out there, they are now serving LA. That's also their Instagram handle, at now serving LA, is the only retailer of JB Prince outside of JB Prince. So ah. if you need knives, spoons, random other stainless steel things, and you want to buy it from a bookstore, I could not recommend this one. Wow. Wow. We can't wait. Shout out Ken and Michelle. They're super sweet. Amazing. Uh, I got to yeah. see if they can sell Cook Beautiful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk to them Shameless about promotion. that. No, I not at, go back. Not at all. We need as many books out in the wild as possible. Um, so cool. Thanks so much for that quick dispatch. Anything really catch your eye out there about reading wa- that you're reading, watching, or listening to? Um, and, uh, I'm just pulling this up in my camera roll that, uh, in terms of the different magazines and stuff that I saw, there yeah. was this one, this Korean American one called Creature Comfort Cooking by Choi and Eric. There was Hot Rum Cow, which is from the UK that I haven't seen in the US before. There's something called the, uh, a comic guide to brewing, but we also saw magazines like Mouthfeel, um, Cleaver Quarterly, Food and City, um, Alchemy, Jari, Boxy, other folks that have participated in Food Book Fair before, so that was fun. Um, and then also String Bean, which is the zine collab by Jason Stewart, Them Jeans, who was oh. my, I have to admit, was my Virgil to... Um, my Dante Pilgrim in this pilgrimage to now serving his zine with Dear Dana, who oh, illustrated cool. our dope yeah. bag at Food Book yeah. 2017. What up, them? Yeah. Shout out to them jeans. I'll get you in L.A. soon. <laughs> yeah. So uh, his zine is there. Um, and Ken and Michelle said a lot of folks just come in and they're like, this store is really cool. I make a zine. Would you like to see it? Can I maybe sell it here? And it's just like a really, lots of good community energy. And there's some uh, Great restaurants in that plaza as well. Old school Chinese joints, it being Chinatown, but also um, cool young folks of color doing stuff, including uh, went there the previous night, this place called Lhasa, which is run by uh, a Filipino-American family led by two brothers, one fr- running front of house, one in the back, and that was super tasty. Amazing. Well, thanks for that west coast la dispatch um glad you're having fun and can't wait till you come back (laughs) (laughs) and answer the info at emails no just kidding um but i'll try to bring i'll try to bring back some snacks and stuff if i don't eat them here first i think i'm gonna need a list from you i'm going to la soon for the book tour so i'm I'm gonna have to get some must must stops must eat definitely definitely Um, i'm actually gonna go this is Hey, hey, Jess, shout out to you, too. Um, I'm going to Squirrel for the first time. <gasps> oh, I've never been yay! either. Hey. This afternoon. Wow. Oh, yes. Um, we, love, we love the Squirrel cookbook. We love Jessica Coslow and her joint and what she does and what she's about. And I might be the last person in this world that has not seen Get Out, another revelation, and hasn't been to Squirrel. So I'm going to fix one of those <laughs> in about an hour. Okay. Good, good on you. Um, cool. Well, thanks, Kim. And I think, um, I think we should check in with Athena and see if she did her homework. And oh, no. <laughs> I'm such a procrastinator with homework, but well, ours is hit fun me. at least. <laughs> um, is there anything that has caught your eye lately that you've been into reading or watching or listening to? And we can talk about kind of, I know that in the, re- in the, in conjunction with the release of the book, Cook Beautiful, 
there were some playlists released. Yes. Um, yeah, I, um, I was thinking a lot as I was creating the cookbook about seasonality, because that's the way that mm-hmm. I cook and that's the way that I eat. Yeah. And I just thought music has been such an integral part of my own culinary journey. And, you know, when I first started cooking in my early 20s, I would like blast the music and kind of dance in my kitchen as I rolled Mm. out pastry. And I was just thinking about like, how can I kind of expand this idea of seasonality? And I thought, well, we kind of listen to music differently seasonally, like a little more fun and campy in summer and then a little bit, you know, like, I don't know, kind of eclectic and moody in winter so yeah I created these cookbook playlists um you know to coincide with the book release which which was really fun and I um I did them as like exclusive playlists for people that pre-ordered them but now I think now that the book's out I'll probably release the playlist which they're really good and I had um friends of mine who like are female DJs um Chelsea Leyland, Mia Moretti, um Harley Vigar Newton and um, Hannah Bronfman make the playlist. So I'm listening to Cook Beautiful Playlist. <laughs> Amazing. Um, is yeah. there, I love that because I know I'm probably like alone, but I'm, I feel alone sometimes when I feel like I'm in company in this booth and with so many of the people that we come on the show, that come on the show and sing like, I, cooking is my zen and it's just like, like music and making something from start to finish is like the ultimate in relaxation to me. I know uh, yeah. for other people cooking something, you know, it gives, fills them with anxiety. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, look, I've cooked some hard things that haven't turned out that well and it can be disappointing, but I think I just having mu- music and cooking are two things that are something that you can be doing other things actively or you can be cooking and it's active, but it's also passive. And then music is kind of like that as well. And it just makes it so much more fun. (laughs) Like do a little dance. (laughs) Um, Well, what's on your nightstand? That's the first question I wanted to, is there something that you like, is there a cherished book? Doesn't have to be food related or that you love. Hmm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've definitely been cookbook obsessed lately and I've been, I, I say in Cook Beautiful, and it really is the truth, that like before bed, I read cookbooks like I do novels. And there has been so many incredibly inspiring kind of women, mostly all women, that yes. have recently come out with cookbooks. So every night before bed, especially because this is my world right now, right. it's all-encompassing. Right. So between like... Um, Karen from Sunday Suppers has, you know, has a new book yeah. that just came out. Missy Robbins has a new book that just came out. Um, the Cherry Bomb book just came out. Gail Simmons' book is about to come out, and I have a copy of that. So I've been, I've been reading all my female ladies' cookbooks oh. and just kind of soaking in all of that goodness. It's amazing to support one another. So happy to hear that. Yes, all of those books have been. This this fall has just really been so incredible. Your book came out coming out today. Today, yes, out in the world as you mentioned, Missy Robbins' book from Lilia, and the Cherry Bomb book just came out. And you know, it's that also came out today. Today, today. oh yeah. today, oh happy my gosh! Day, happy Publish Day, Good to Carrie and Claudia, day. and the whole Cherry Bomb team. You guys know you're the bomb. The bomb. <laughs> We're all the bomb squad. <laughs> Couldn't be happier to be part of the bomb squad. Um, Well, in that vein, um, I will say one thing that quickly that really caught my eye, and then we'll definitely get into a deep dive with Athena and talking about the inspirations behind the book and the process and how she got, how she got to where she is. Um, 
you know, I was working on a project in an office and someone left a copy of the Wall Street Journal magazine. Okay. Have you ever seen it or taken a look at it? I, I guess I, I don't ha- okay. I have. Yeah. It's be- well, I'm going to hear uh, yeah, it. It's beautifully I, it's be- done. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. I guess um, I've been saying this forever that we, I need to get my own subscription to the Wall Street Journal, at least even digitally, because you're always locked out on that wall and people are always sharing their, their <laughs> articles that I really want to read. So I think as soon as this show is over, I'm just you're going on and I'm doing it. Amazing. Um, Kim, I'm not Kim, a subscription subscriber. Kim actually formerly worked for the Wall Street Journal and she has told me many times that we can get in, but so far we haven't. I uh, I found a login that worked for like years afterwards. Um, <laughs> apparently, well, it doesn't anymore. We're um, getting one. The firewall has gotten stronger, uh, so but, we're gonna have to find another yeah. way. Or what we can do is subscribe and support journalism. We will be doing that. Um, okay, independent journalism. I got I got yeah. Well, about it now. But anyway. Is this the recent issue? This is the recent issue, yes. And it was, um, the cover got a little, no one can see because that's the magic of radio, but the cover got a little damaged in transit. I'll say that. It made its way around town. But it really, like, I haven't even gotten a chance to look at all, to really read all the articles, but it is so beautiful. Um, And I, I must have it on my list of my, my rotating list of, of what I need to be reading. So shout out to the wall street journal magazine. Um, I, I, I can't wait to really, really enjoy everything in here. There's an amazing article about the new Oto Lange book with Helen go. Um, and it's just about desserts, which is something <laughs> I love. Um, so that's that's so quick mention. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry about the cover. I really, um, <laughs> I was transporting food as I n- always do, and it got a little bit messed up. What's on the What's on the cover? Like, um, it was like a, a a very beautiful kind of almost like a futuristic Scandinavian <laughs> look with a, a woman oh, with, gonna, with red asking, hair. What was the food damage? Oh, you know, it's just my usual core container lunch getting toted <laughs> around. Thanks, Kim, for flipping the script on me. Um, uh, you know, we have no secret here. Yeah. People want to know. Yes. Uh, the BTS. BTST. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, so, Athena, again, congratulations on your lunch date for Cook Beautiful. Thank you. It's, did it ever seem like it would come? Like, did, it, did this seat project seem like it would it never... Would- it, it was never a, be realized. Yeah, it was a really <laughs> long two years. And I mean, I loved every, I learned so much throughout the, yeah. the journey, but it was quite a journey. And I feel like every time I was like, yes, I got past like the recipe development. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I got to do the recipe testing. And oh, now I need to like, you know, creative direct all of the photography. Like there was right. so many aspects. I don't, I don't know that a lot of people talk about the process that goes into making a cookbook. That's what I would love to talk about for because that's what we for a little while because we we really do get many questions about that and kind of um, really there there's a kind of air of mystery surrounding how books get made, how yeah. cookbooks get made. Now you the one thing that you said was you develop the recipes and then you tested them. Now was your definition of recipe developing like coming up with what the idea is for the recipe and 
tell me, talk to me a little bit about sure. that. Yeah. I mean, my, my first step was just kind of like seasonally creating a list of all of the ideas, yes. most of them recipes that I've been making for my family and my friends for years. But mm. also that, that process was really about looking and seeing like, oh, I got to make sure I'm not repeating myself with like some of the, you know, same one pony right. tricks, you know? Right. So just making sure all of the recipe, you know, ideas were varied and really representative of my style of cooking. Um, and then the next step was getting into the kitchen and, 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 and making them, you know, creating the recipes and write, you know, cause I'm, a, I'm an intuitive cook normally, okay. but you know, for this process, obviously you have right. to be so diligent about like measuring everything. And, and sometimes it didn't taste as good the first time around because I'm not just like, you know, going off of intuition. So sometimes each recipe was like, a, you know, two days or two times trying it out, making sure that, you know, the balance of flavors was exactly the way I envisioned it. And then once I was happy with how the recipe came out, I had an outside tester test it to make sure it was easy to follow the recipe, if all of my ingredients were listed the right way, if the method and the steps were confusing or not. And then I went back and adjusted a lot of the recipes from that point. So Many steps. Yeah, many steps. Yeah. And it's definitely worth noting that Cook Beautiful is arranged by season. So it's there's inspiration not only and recipes for, you know, for recipes that you can cook but also <laughs> tips yes and tricks for how you can set your table um see how to shop seasonally yes um, and so that's cooking seasonally and having a mindset as to what type of you know gathering you want to have for you is really dependent on the season that's kind of what I got from the book yeah I think that um my whole journey in, you know, in food has really taught me so much. And I've learned so much about shopping at the green market and, you know, knowing where our food comes from and, you know, buying from local farmers. So I felt as though I just had to share a seasonal cookbook because that's just the way I cook and that's the way I eat. And that's the way I, you know, buy my ingredients. But because my background is in design and I'm a very visual person, um, as I was, as I was concepting the book, I thought to myself, well, seasonality informs our ingredients, obviously, but it informs so much more. It also, you know, the quality of our gatherings and the way I set my table, I started to realize shifted from season to season. And I just started to think about the natural world and how much that informs us from like the palette of, you know, of, of plates and linens and, but also kind of just the, the energy and vibe of the gatherings I was creating. So I've really assigned for each chapter and each season, I've assigned like a hue and a vibe and a palette. And I've closed each chapter with a tablescape that's, you know, very much evocative of what's happening outdoors and, and kind of bringing that onto the table and for both the recipes as well as for how I set, set my table. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed reading what you wrote in the forward and in the introduction, well, in, intro in the introduction to the book and, and your story, um, which I want to get into. But the the one section that really stuck out at me was thinking like that you really enjoy that you loved the winter get together, especially in New York. And I do. I'm like every day I step outside at like six thirty, and I'm like I see that dusk settling in, and I'm like no, I know such anxiety. It's happening. I know, but, but then, you can flip the script, you know. Yes, you can kind of look at it like instead of kind of friends bopping around to a bunch of different things like they might do in the summer, like when you set a plan and you have a dinner with friends in the winter, it becomes kind of like 
long and cozy and lights are flickering and there's too much red wine and nobody wants to go outdoors so they like just linger around longer and you know I think a lot about winter recipes and that mirrors that very same idea of how we gather because a lot of the recipes are it takes longer to create them they're kind of simmering you know, all day on the stove and they're more like layering of your flavors. So I just, I really believe that, you know, winter, you know, is a perfect example of how your food as well as, you know, how your gatherings are very much in unison. I, I loved reading that line. It made, it definitely gave me <laughs> some hope. inspiration. Winter yeah. Hope. <laughs> yeah. I hosted a get together this week past weekend and like actually had to kick people out. So oh, I, that's good. <laughs> kind of. I was like, <laughs> um, it was great. I was like, what are you guys still doing here? Get out of here. Oh, that's um, funny. What did you make? Oh, hi, Kim. Oh. Um, okay. Quick, quick aside. Yeah. I, I just made a pretty simple brunch spread um i was getting together with my old volunteer group and just a frittata some fruit um i made a tomatillo salsa yeah i made a cocktail i guess i kind of (laughs) i could see why people wanted to hang um i think brunch kind of makes people linger a little longer too Definitely. Not the end of the day. Definitely. And I kind of nerded out with um, my coffee. I use my friend's coffee and she roasts it upstate. Um, mm. It's called the pantry. So I kept that going and everyone was hanging. So I, I, um, I really, it, it just also reminded me like how fun it is to have people over and also to just go for it. And I, I think that that's the vibe that I get, you know, from your book as well is, you know, definitely well you know well-made plans are great and having your recipes in mind and having how you want things to look and what you want to use and how you want to use them is important but it's also just important to just go for it and I think people are are a little scared to have people over Um, I mean it could definitely be intimidating I would say like also in winter which is so great is you can make something in advance like a braise or a roast that you really don't have to labor over you know I mean you can before people get there (laughs) but like not as your guests are around yeah um so. The other part that really struck me about the introduction of this book was was your story in terms of growing up, growing up in Long Island, yeah. um, and how really how your food, how lar- like how varied your food journey was, like growing up in an Italian American house, but um, kind of having those Italian you know staples, but definitely. Yes something that you mentioned a couple of times in the introduction was about not really having that many fresh ingredients. No, and it wasn't even something that I missed because I didn't really know it existed. I mean, we had amazing meals and, you know, incredible gatherings with like a large Italian American extended family and, you know, pasta and meatballs and sausage and ricotta and, you know, garlic bread. I mean, it was, you know, that quintessential Italian American meal, but we, yeah, I mean, I, I think I say this in the book, but like when I make broccoli now to go to my family's house, they were like, it's not cooked, it's raw, <laughs> because it's still vibrant green and a little crunchy because it was only, you know, quickly blanched. But I mean, the way I had broccoli growing up was like it was cooked until it was like gray and mushy. And, you know, we had can out of uh, corn out of a can. And like seasonality just wasn't even in my existence. Like I didn't even know that that word existed or that you can, you know, 
shop locally or from a farm. Like we just didn't do that. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, I think that, that, you know, this was also a trend that, that came with the times in a yes. way. And I think that experience is something that, that many people have had and, you know, in varying degrees. Um, so what is this your, is, hey, oh, can Kim, I yeah. Slide in here. About Definitely. Food. Was there, I mean, especially since you, I mean, I also grew up uh, in suburban Detroit in a place uh, and, and in a time where we celebrated process and, and preserve foods. Um, and definitely I remember what it was like to start eating seasonally and start eating and shopping at farmer's markets, and that really sort of bending my mind. Are there any specific memories or specific foods, produce, fruits, vegetables that you ate in a, for, uh, for the first time or in a certain way that really stuck with you? That's exactly yeah. the question I was going to ask, like your aha oh, moment. Perfect. Yeah, like, I think like actually tasting a snap pea like from the farm stand and like tasting that, you know, incredibly vibrant, like earthy. I don't know. It, I, I can specifically remember tasting in spring, especially because spring at the farmer's market is so excited after like, you know, winter and kind of a lot of brown foods for a really long time. And all of a sudden there is like this like alive you know, greenery being pushed through the earth. And I just remember tasting kind of peas and snap peas and just like being blown away at how fresh it tasted. Mm. Amazing. So we're, we're heading, we're in, we're in peak fall, I'll say right now. We are. Um, Even though it feels like summer outside. So, yes. <laughs> we'll get, well, we're going to get there. Um, what, if someone doesn't really have that much experience cooking seasonally or it's something that they want to start doing and, and maybe it's you know one of their first time or two you know their first time going to the green market um is there kind of a, a, a gateway recipe or ingredient that you think could could really help them and and maybe something that's just not that complicated something that they can wrap their head around that yeah. can start their journey i think i think fall more than any other season is so much about roasting veggies okay and I think that at the green market, you can pick up so many incredible squash right now. Delicata squash is amazing, um, or even like a head of cauliflower. And I feel like, you know, I was pretty blown away at just how simple it was when I first started roasting veggies of just, you know, a high heat oven, drizzle of olive oil, salt and pepper, like in the oven for 30 minutes. And it's just unbelievable how much flavor and caramelization and browning can like just, and salt can kind of shift a pretty simple veggie. So I, I think that if people are intimidated, I think roasting just a simple veggie, which is olive oil, salt and pepper will blow them away. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, if you're just starting out and you <laughs> want a gateway vegetable. But then there's also... In, in Cook Beautiful, yeah. in the fall section, there is a cauliflower roasted and there is a delicata squash. And it's, as I just said, it's pretty, they're pretty simple, but then I kind of dress them up a little bit at the end. Make them swoony. <laughs> yeah, I make them swoony. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that, yeah, I think that's a great way of thinking about it, is like, you know, get your basic techniques down and then you can always add and, and layer. Um, 100%. Yeah. I think that that's kind of like pretty much the overarching kind of theme of how I cook and also comes across a lot and cook beautiful. Like a lot of my meth cooking methods are pretty straightforward and simple, but then I, I really like a sauce. I really like something that's going to like shock the palate and something briny and sweet and kind of acidic all in one sometimes. So I feel like there's a lot of chutneys and chimichurris and, you know, ways to kind of just brighten up 
uh, an otherwise kind of, I don't want to say more muted dish, but like, I just, I just like to really shock the palate. With what was the last sauce that you made? Yeah. Well, last night I made a cranberry chutney Ooh. with, um, I know I was like, you're testing for I was, Thanksgiving or, um, no, okay. it was, <laughs> no, it was, um, I made an Arctic char and, cool. um, it was a cranberry chutney that had preserved lemons in it and a oh. little bit of thyme, garlic, shallots. And I really, I really love to play with kind of tart and acidic and spicy. There was habanero pepper in there as well. So I don't know. I really, I kind of love to that ping pong of flavors on your palate. Mm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then we should also talk about what makes your cookbook so different and what you do so different and uh, how, uh, which is how much the visual, how much aesthetics are part of making something taste good. Yeah. I'm, <clears throat> it's funny. I did, um, I did a talk recently. Um, well, let me back up for a minute. One of the overarching themes of the book is every single recipe has some sort of presentation tip. I call them spoon tips. Um, and Somebody said to me when I was giving a talk the other day, well, you know, if you're so focused on what it looks like, you know, are you not focused on what it tastes like? And what's interesting is every tip in the book is actually a tech, it's a cooking technique. You know, it's not like I'm just like, you know, making things pretty, but they're actually cooking techniques that aid in flavor, but they're also kind of, you know, being mindful of what the finished result looks like. Mm. Something, you know, like making sure that you quickly blanch and then shock your peas before you kind of put a salad together. Because if you, you know, if you don't shock them right after you blanch them, they're going to get kind of muted in color and they're going to get mushy. So, you know, it's better on the palate, you know, as you taste it, it's like a crisp, crunchy, you know, snap pea, but then also it's going to kind of remain, retain its bright kind of color. So... That's definitely a good tip. Um, speaking, going back to, a little bit to sauces, do you have any spoon tips for us in terms of <laughs> saucing and topping things with sauce? My move is just to cover things in sauce, which doesn't make for the <laughs> nicest picture. But I'm a sauce-forward eater. So am I. I always want a little bit more when I'm at a restaurant. <laughs> or you, you put the sauce, you put more sauce on after the photo. Um, it's so funny because as we were kind of working on the styling and shooting the book, like. Um, this cranberry chutney that I'm yeah. talking about, for mm -hmm. instance, when I developed the recipe, you know, I like slathered it on and took a photo of it and it was delicious. But we decided in the book, well, maybe we just want to put it in a bowl on the side. <laughs> because sometimes, I mean, I'm talking about for a photograph, but like, you know, it's just... I also like to think of like little bowls and spoons almost as jewelry for your table, like a little accessory. So I think like from a presentation point of view, like sometimes you can hold back on, you know, slathering it all over. But, you know, you could also if it's like a looser sauce, like a chimichurri or something, you can just like drizzle it on top or on the plate. I'm not really precious, to be honest. Like, I'm not a restaurant chef, and I'm not, like, super pre precious with my, like, tweezers or with my little squeezy bottles. Um, but I am just always, always mindful of, like, what that kind of undone drizzle is like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then other tips um, are, you know, really kind of simple ones, like making sure you heat your cast iron before you kind of sear a piece of fish or why you should bring your steak to room temperature before you, you know, put it on the grill so you get nice grill marks. You know, like there's, there's certain things um, 
that I felt like I've lo- I've learned from chefs or people that I've cooked alongside or you know food photographers or stylists that I just thought well I want to pass along this information because we're all so obsessed with taking photos of our food and you know pretty food so kind of why not share the love and give you know the the home cook some little tips and tricks to help them out I think I think readers will find it incredibly helpful. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for making this book. We need to take a quick break and and pay some bills um, (laughs) (laughs) around here. This is HeritageRadioNetwork.org, and we are a nonprofit. So you can definitely check out our website, HeritageRadioNetwork.org, and become a member. And yeah, I'll uh, I'll throw it over to our... quick message from our supporters and then we will be back with Athena Calderon and celebrating her brand new book Cook Beautiful thank ya Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Hi, welcome back. This is Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair. We are joined by Athena Calderon. She is the creator of I Swoon and also the author of a brand new book called Cook Beautiful. And today is the published date. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so exciting. Um, I've never written a book, but I can I know from others how much work it is. So it's, it, it must feel so incredible to just have it in everyone's hands. Today's and- a pretty amazing day. It feels really good. <laughs> I'm really proud of it. I have an amazing team that like helped this come to fruition. So I want to express some gratitude there. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to quickly shout out your team a little bit or... Um, <coughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, you talk about the photography. I know you um, work with Johnny Miller. Yeah, Johnny Miller okay. is absolutely incredible. We didn't really know one another, but we both lived in Dumbo. And I was really a friend of mine, um, Rob Magnata from Edge Reps, represents him. And he kind of connected me with Johnny. And we just immediately hit it off. Oh, wow. That's from the book and the photographs. It looked like it looks really looks like you guys are in sync. And sometimes... we were so in sync. Okay. We were, and and. I can't tell you enough how much I learned, enough how much I learned about this entire process. Um, because the fir- like we shot spring and summer together, and I'm so used to shooting for a blog where like I'm shooting like different angles of the same thing and you know, pulled back images and tighter images. Right. So Johnny must have thought I was an absolute lunatic because my shot list was so unrealistic. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he was like so ready to just dive in and like do whatever. And like, because we were shooting lifestyle and we were shooting food and we were shooting the process and we were shooting tablescapes. So like there was just so much going on and he was just game and down to just dive right in. So thank you, Donnie. Wow. Was he edited? Was like choosing the photo? Was that kind of like Honestly, so hard? When I got, the, because, you know, usually you get a pretty like tight edited, right. you know, folder to look through. I mean, I had thousands oh upon gosh. thousands. It was really overwhelming, but also amazing. We got so many good shots. Okay. Well, <laughs> the really the ones that made it into the book are, are so stunning. Um, and New York City area listeners, um, we are very, very excited to announce that Athena will be with us signing her brand new book at the Green Market. Yes, on so, Saturday. Yeah, it's this coming Saturday, the 14th. Yeah. I think that's the correct day. It yes. is. Saturday the 14th. We are at Union Square Green Market. We have a food book fair booth in the kind of in the on the corner of 17th and Broadway. We have a nice big sign and we will be there um, with this beautiful book. And you should come by from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And there might be some tastes from the book and you can get an autographed copy personalized. Yes. Makes a great holiday gift no matter what the season. So please visit us. And um, if you're enjoying listening to the episode, definitely give us a shout on social and you can um, reach Athena at, at iSwoon and at Food Book Fair. So Hope to see you on Saturday at our signing. And also, if you've been listening and you have any comments, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, I'll be making something sweet, some sweet Ooh. treats from the fall section Ooh. of the cookbook. I hear it's very seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, will be, Kim will be returning. Yes. I'm coming back just for this. I need another spoon. T- I'm in my, with my uh, remedi- remedial meat cooking education. I'll need to find out. <laughs> IRL. Um, IRL. Why you got to bring a steak to room temperature. But for those that join us in person on Saturday, you can too. I didn't really share why, didn't I? Do you want me to? (laughs) Yeah. Give us. Okay. Okay. So if if your steak is ice cold just out of the refrigerator and you put it in a hot pan, it's going to bring the temperature of the pan down so drastically that you're never going to get a really beautiful golden sear on the outside Mm. of your steak. And that doesn't, that's not just for steak. It's the same with like a pork chop or a lamb chop. So that's why you should always bring it to room temperature. Amazing. And you really want to give it some good time to do that. I know when I, when I cook, I try to do that. It's not just like 10 minutes out of the fridge. Like, you, you know, you want to give it 30 minutes and yeah. definitely just make sure it's at room temp before you hit, where it hits that hot pan. Totally. And, you know, just on that note, yeah. do not wash your cauliflower right before you put it in the oven because it's just going to steam against itself. So make sure you wash it in advance, put it on a kitchen towel, let it dry out. Cause like who wants to have roasted cauliflower? That's like white. You want like that Brown golden caramelization. So yeah, I mean, there's just like, there's little tips that, Is that it, in the book? that's in the book. Oh I mean, gosh. yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, I, I try to dry. I always try to dry my lettuce really well. Or that because right. nothing Jesus worse. Salad spinner. Nothing worse than the. You don't want to wet the wet or overdry <laughs> right. salad. Yeah, but, but I'm that... a saucy girl, so <laughs> I kind of over I overdress my salads. <laughs> um, well, we don't judge here. I recommended reading. You can over sauce or under sauce. Just get in there and start cooking. And make sure the photo's good. First. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Um... 
Um, so we just have a couple minutes left on the show. Again, just you know, a quick reminder to if you are in the New York City area to catch us at our Green Market signing. Thank you also to Grow NYC, which is the parent nonprofit company that runs all of the green markets. So thank you for allowing us to bring amazing authors into the green market. Thank you, Grow NYC and Union Square Green Market. But I thought it might be kind of fun to just uh, play a little quick Q&A with Athena and maybe she'll divulge some secrets or things we might not know about her. Um, So you can answer in as few or as many words as you'd like. Okay. I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be. This is a family show. Okay. Um, What is your, what would be like a guilty pleasure dinner or meal? In general, like something that you are like, hmm, I can't believe I'm eating this, but I love it. Interesting. I mean, I'm like a fatty short rib kind of gal, especially mm. in like cozy, colder months. So I, okay. don't, know, I don't know if that's really the answer well, you were looking it was, for. <laughs> okay, here's I, I let's, just really like the phrase fatty short rib kind of gal. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, what actually made me think of this question was I was watching on Munchies last night. I was going to mention this before, but on Munchies last night, you know, they have this, um, they have this longstanding video series that they do called Chef's Night Out. Okay. Um, they've kind of expanded the term of what chefs are. It's basically like different chefs or other people in the food restaurant world, they follow them around for a night. Okay. Um, like, and they go to all their different spots that they want to go to. And then usually they end up kind of drunk back at their original restaurant where they work, like cooking a big family meal for oh, everyone. Okay. So they kind of changed it around last night and they were doing one with, um, Helen, uh, Kim, this is appropriate for you with Helen okay. from Helen's. Helen's yes. Um, from Helen's Wine, and she's also the beverage director for the John and Vinny um, Animal Restaurant Group. Right. And so they went to all of these places, and she had these friends with her, and they kept, like, they had, like, this really messy, like, lobster roll, and they had all of this other food, and so they, they basically tented their face with their, like, shirt, oh and God. ate underneath their shirt, because they didn't oh, want anyone seeing what, them Okay, eating. so if I had to tent a shirt <laughs> yes. and this eat... This is, like, the lowbrow version of eating an ortolan, so God you. Basically. Okay, but I'm really excited to share my under-my-shirt oh, okay. kind of yes. moment. I really like cheese doodles. Oh, cheese doodles. A okay, lot. I see that. And I like licking my fingers. The puffy like, ones or the like... I like the puffy ones okay. and I like the quote unquote natural ones. Okay. But I mean, how <laughs> okay. natural yeah. really is like <laughs> puffy, okay. cheesy, if, orange stuff. If we see um, you with a shirt over your face, we know We know what You know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. you, you might hear it from the crunch. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, what, what do you... What are... What's three ingredients that people could use to set up a home bar? A home bar? Yeah. I mean, really good tequila. Okay. I knew you (laughs) would have an answer. Okay. (laughs) Really good tequila. Is there one that you like? Um, I really like Casa Dragones. Okay. I really like 1942. Okay. um, Don Julio, 1942. And there's a new tequila called Volcom that a friend of mine, Trent, just um, released. And and that's really good, too. Can you tell I like tequila? Yeah. (laughs) How do you you like to drink it? Um, 
I like fancy cocktails. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. No, I do. I like like weird things in my cocktail. Like I like a spicy cocktail. I like yuzu in a cocktail mm-hmm. a lot. Not that I'm saying you should stock your bar with yuzu, this is but I think ideas. a jalapeno could always help some things and really good salt. Okay. Um, but I also do like, um, especially in 1942, I just like it on like on the rocks. It's just so yummy. It sounds really good about now. Yeah. <laughs> David, do we have any of that Afternoon in the house drinking. right now for the end of the show? Uh, any? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, continuing in this vein, what is always in your fridge? Always in my fridge. Really good Parmesan, a chunk of it, and really good Pecorino. Um, love okay. cheese. <laughs> Uh, because I make pasta a lot and I just need that on there but also lemons shallots um, organic half and half because I need that in my coffee in the morning okay capers Hmm. yeah want me to keep going Um, (laughs) that's good sounds like you have a pretty stocked fridge especially when someone comes to photograph it (laughs) (laughs) Which which is something that I would imagine happens to you only recently. Okay, <laughs> okay I, have, I have two more. Well, with your stocked fridge, what is one recipe that you make over and over and over? Um, a whole roasted chicken. Okay. Hands down. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. I basically just get some carrots, get some Yukon potatoes, a couple of heads of garlic, shallots, um, lemons, and just throw it in a roasting pan with your chicken, stuff your chicken with half of that head of garlic and half a lemon, um, drizzle with olive oil. If you really want to get fancy, put some butter under the skin and you just pop it in the oven. You don't have to think about it like super hot oven for about an hour. And you have like a one and done kind of meal. One and done. Chicken. One and done. You heard it here first. Ooh, and I really like, I really like labna with my chicken. Ooh. Yeah. Do you mix that up or is it something you get from like, do you There's, do anything to lob, like the lobna that you buy? Or? I just, sometimes I just put a little olive oil and some mm. sea salt, maybe a little sumac. Mm. <laughs> I'm writing this down right now. Okay, it's in the book. Don't okay. worry. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it's in, okay, get the book, everyone. Hey, someone gave you some, someone, someone tells me you've done this before <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> and, and the last question I'll ask, since we are about to dive into some pizza at Roberta's. We Yay. are. Do you? Beer or wine with pizza? Wine. Always wine. You're on my side. Yeah. And you know (laughs) what? We try often to get Roberta's delivery through caviar. Mm -hmm. You just have to come here. Totally. It needs to come right out of the oven. It can't be steaming in a box on its way to you. It just doesn't work. So fresh pizza always with wine. Well, eat some pizza for me. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I'll think about fancy cocktails. Yeah, we'll be eating that New York pizza here, waiting for you. And we'll see you on Saturday, Kim. Yeah. Sounds great. Hope to see uh, more of our listeners on Saturday as well in the Green Market. Yes. Um, Well, thanks, Kim, for calling in. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the day. We'll talk soon. And wow, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Creator of Eye Swoon and the author of the brand new book just out today, Cook Beautiful. Available at independent retailers, or you can order it online. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know the place where you can. So if that's easiest for you, do it. We just want more books out in the wild. So thank you so much. 
thanks so much for being here again. This is Recommended Reading, and we are broadcasting from Heritage Radio Network. So thank you. We'll see you next time. Amazing. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Recommended reading is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.